Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am really excited about my guest today. Uh, I told her she doesn't know. She has, we haven't met until today, but uh, she's someone I've been very proud of for many years. Uh, she's a fellow Ghanaian and she's made waves uh, in the world and had a huge impact on society. She was the former CMO of Netflix, the former CMO of Endeavor, chief brand officer of Uber, considered one of the most powerful women in entertainment. Um, she's amazing. Her new book, The Urgent Life, I think is a book that you're going to want to check out. I've begun reading it. And let me tell you, it was not what I expected. Uh, it's, it's beyond and it's life-changing. And so... Let's dive into an amazing episode of Soul Talk. Welcome, Bozema St. John. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, the trust that you would have me uh, speaking to your audience, and um, of yeah. course, the very, very kind words. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that. My fellow Ghanaian brother. Yes. <laughs> it's great. It's great to have you here. I've been looking forward to it for a long while. So yeah. thank you for saying yes and making time. I'm always curious about people's. Um, childhoods, you know, mm -hmm. and, and what shaped their psychology and the way of seeing the world yeah. and worldviews. And so I'm curious, like, what was your childhood like? What was it like growing up? What, what shaped you? What, what kind of made Bozema Bozema? <laughs> well, I know right now I feel like I should get on my therapy couch, you know, and lay down yeah. and uh, start talking about all the, all the different challenges of childhood. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's so interesting you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I think that our childhood really does make us, you know, it's like, look, and I'm not saying that you have to have a perfect childhood to be a perfect person, if there is such a thing, you know, or that if you have a childhood that leaves something for wanting, that you'll be wanting as an adult. I'm not saying that either. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that it, it does shape you. And for sure, my childhood did me, you know, my parents um, were very much uh, African, African, you know, yeah. lovers of Africa. So even though my father left Ghana uh, to go to college in the United States of America, eventually meeting my mom, et cetera, and they got married and had me here in the US, mm -hmm. they wanted to return back home as soon as my dad was done. I mean, so much so that um, I was born in January. My dad graduated with his PhDs in May and we were back in Ghana by June. You wow. know, like they, wow. they were not messing around, you know? Wow. and. Through that, um, my father began work as a lecturer at the University of Ghana at Legon. Uh, he eventually got into politics and joined Hila Liman's government mm. representing the Western region where of course Kwame Nkrumah and others of his ilk are from. Mm. Uh, but then there was a coup d'etat led by yes. Jerry John Rawlings, uh, military coup d'etat, which mm -hmm. drove out 
um, a lot of people in Ghana. Um, Jerry, Jerry John Rawlings threw my father and a bunch of his colleagues in jail. Yeah. Many of them were murdered. There were, you know, tortures, etc. My father was one of the lucky ones who mm. escaped mm. through Liberia and to the United States and claimed political asylum. Uh, mm. My mother was there waiting for him. And there began, I think, essentially where I became, or at least the beginnings of who I am. You know, certainly a lot of it is nature, right? My parents are outgoing people who love society and enjoy um, a curious wealth of information, right? Um, But we began to move around quite a bit around the planet. You know, my father was always searching, I think searching for home, you know, and so would always be in different jobs and we would go to different places and I would always have to reintroduce myself. And look, I have a very Ghanaian name. Again, pointing to my parents being super Ghanaian, right? Yes. They refused to give us any English name. So, Bozma Efiba Mamichi, you know, and it's like I would have to enter rooms uh, as a young kid. And, you know, the teacher would be looking over the syllabus like, hmm, how do I pronounce this name? Mm. You know, or being on the playground on that first day and having to make a friend and they get my name wrong and I'd have to correct them again and all of that stuff, you know? And so a very long answer to your question is that I think early on, I began to understand, you know, maybe I couldn't articulate it then, I can articulate it now, but I understood the differences of people, you know, understood that no one is the same, right? Regardless, like they're not, they're not the same. People are very, very different. Even if they look like you, they're different. And when they don't look like you, they're different. However, there is some continuity amongst all of us. You know, there's something that connects us. And so, you know, as a child, I think the simple question is like, who's your favorite musician? Or what's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite color? You know, you ask those questions because you're trying to find some bit of connectivity. And for me, it really became salient when I was about 12. And we settled in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, And I had to, at that point, you know, make friends in a way that, look, none of us want to be different when we're 12 right? You just want to be like everybody else. I was tall. I was very dark skinned, you know, like spoke with a heavy accent. My parents didn't eat pizza at home. You know, it was just all of the things. And um, I had to study pop culture really to become connected to my, to my classmates. Right. Mm. I had to know who the hottest artists were, music artists. I had to know the football teams and what it meant to be in the, you know, the, the, you know, conferences. I had to know about college football. I had to understand about politics, um, which by the way, my dad was always very harsh on us in understanding politics at home. You know, he was the one who like my little 13 year old friends would come over and he'd say, what do you think about the current political situation in Argentina? You know, he never talked (laughs) down to us. You know, he always kept us up, 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 you know, like he talked to us like we understood the world. And so I think all of those things shaped me into who I am. And so when I look at my career or people look at me and say, oh my gosh, you know, it's like, how do you forge these conversations across, you know, different products and different uh, consumer groups? And why do you care about pop culture and all that? I'm like, I was honed this way. I was nurtured this way. It's like, I understand that we don't have to be all the same in order to connect that my story is as important as your story is as important as that other person's story. And that it's the nuances, the things inside of the, you know, the small spaces of us as human beings that really makes us interesting. It's not the generalities, 
you know? And so that's why it's like, I can create a marketing campaign and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to talk to this specific person and know uh-huh. that even though I'm talking to this one person, other people will connect with that story because they're curious. And, mm-hmm. and, and nature allows us to be curious about other human beings. So that's a long answer to why I am based on my childhood. Beautiful. You know, uh, before I ask what I'm going to ask, I'm curious about um, this whole thing about our own stories. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us, we have these stories that we hide about ourselves. And, oh, this thing about me, but I'm ashamed of this. I'm ashamed of this part of myself. I'm ashamed of this thing I've done that if anyone finds out, they won't love me. I'm ashamed of this mm. aspect of my culture, right? Mm. And, and, and yet, I guess, how, how, in your experience, how does someone embrace yeah. that, that part of their story? Like, I had an abortion, or, or I was raped, or, or yeah. you know, I'm from this part of Africa and it's unlike mm. anyone else from, from, from the more intense to, you know, the superficial differences. Like how, how, how does one come to a, a self-acceptance? Cause when I look at you, okay, we've never met, but, but you know, sometimes I pop on your Instagram and I'm like, <laughs> this woman is owning herself. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really inspiring to see you just stand at least today, you know, stand in your self and your power as a yeah. woman, as an African woman, you know, as a businesswoman, as a, all of the multifacetedness. And yet mm-hmm. often we apologize for our stories. So yes. how, how does someone embrace their stories from, from the shameful to all of it? Yes, yes. Oh, gosh. Well, that's it's an excellent question because you're right. All of us have that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes Instagram could make you feel like mm-hmm. somebody, you know, um, is they have such a perfect life that how could they have anything that they would Mm -hmm. not want to let the world know about, right? And I'm not necessarily saying that you should put all your business out on social media. I'm not necessarily saying that. I don't either, even though people assume that they know everything about me because I'm pretty open on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are two ways that I'll answer that question, which is one, it was nurtured in me. You know, I do have to give thanks to my mom who, again, at that very pivotal age of 12 and 13 when we had gone to Colorado um, and I had started becoming, you know, making friends with these, you know, little white girls who had only lived in Colorado, weren't knowledgeable about the rest of the world, um, which by the way, is not an insult. It's just the reality of what it was. And, you know, they would, when they, I remember the first time they wanted to come over to my house and I was so, I was so excited, you know, to have them come over because I was finally being accepted, right? For all of my differences, I was, I was being accepted into the circle, you know, Mm -hmm. and going into the kitchen with all of my excitement and seeing my mom beginning to prepare some food, you know, she was making contumri or which now we call palava sauce or it's like a spinach, you know, sort of stew. She's making jollof. She was, you know, making a bunch of classic Ghanaian dishes to feed my friends. And I was just mortified. You know, I was just like, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. I don't want them to, I don't want them to have that. Like I want to order pizza. You know, can Mm -hmm. we just have some, can you get some McDonald's or some just fries things that they'll eat nuggets, you know, something. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember her looking at me and just you know, it wasn't even anger. It was like a mix of disappointment and fear and pride. You know, it was just a mix of emotions and looking at me and saying, no, no, no. When you go to their house, you'll mm. eat their food. You'll speak their language. When they mm. come to our house, they will eat our food and they'll speak our language. 
And I was sitting there like, what are you talking about? Like, have you lost your entire mind? You know, we're in Colorado. We're not going to, they're not going to eat our food and they're not going to speak our language. And guess what? When it came to our house, they ate our food. And even though my mom speaks four languages, she spoke to them in Fanti. You know what I mean? And they were like, oh, I didn't know I thought your mom could speak English. I'm like, she can. She just doesn't want to today, you know? Mm. But that kind of, you know, nurture was really the basis of helping me to understand, even at the time I hated it. Now, of course, I can look back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what that was teaching me was the value of my own experience. There was nothing for me to be ashamed of. Mm. You know, and just because I wasn't like them didn't mean that I, what, what I had was not important or special. By the way, just a little side note, my friends from Colorado Springs that I've known since I was 13 still ask for my mom's kutumri today. I had a girlfriend who came here probably like four or five months ago, right before the holidays. And she was like, make sure your mom has that spinach dish for me when I get there. And I'm like, girl, you got it. No problem. You know what I mean? But it's like stuff like that. But it's also, I think for me as an adult, um, you know, centered in that experience was also, you know, failure in trying to be other people, Mm. you know, meaning that when I first got into the corporate space, I'm not going to lie about it. I did try to be like everybody else. Yeah. You know, I try to speak like them. I try to dress mm-hmm. like them. I try to pretend mm-hmm. as if my cultural experiences didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to pretend like I went to the preppy, you know, IV prep schools that they went to. Um, but I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, and what happened is that I, I wasn't connecting. You know, even though it was like, oh, yeah, Bose is cool. She's so much fun. Like she knows pop culture. And like if there was something I needed, they would come ask me. And if it was a project to work on, of course, I would be invited to work on it. But I wasn't getting promoted and I wasn't moving. And what I the hard lesson of it was that I was failing at being them. That's Mm. why I wasn't being promoted. And it was in that failure that I really gave up. You know, I mean, again, I'll be totally honest about it. I was just like, oh, well, I'm never going to make it. Wow. I'm never going to get in the corner office. I'm never going to get promoted. So what's the point of, of pretending? Mm. Why am I wearing this stupid button-down shirt? You know, mm. why is my hair pulled back? Why, why, why am I not wearing the bright red lipstick? I'm never going to make it anyway. Mm. And honestly, was that giving up that wow. I opened? So Really? Yeah, like truly? Up, like you just were like, I'm, totally, I'm done. Oh man, I, when I took I gave up, I gave up. Like, attitude type giving up like oh bump these people you know if i could curse i would i'd be like you know F wow. Them. wow i don't care i was like they're not gonna promote me anyway because i was trying mm. i spent a lot of time trying to be mm. them and every mm. time reviews were coming oh bulls you're you know you're too aggressive and you know it's like ah the way that you talk it's just you know it's hard for people to connect i was just like well then forget it Screw it. You know, this isn't going to work. So I might, I'm just going to, and if I'm stuck in the middle, then I'm stuck in the middle. You know, so what, happened, what, what happened then? You, you, you gave up and the, did something oh shift? God. Did something open? It was like, a huge shift. You know, this is the, this is the amazing thing. This is why I try to tell people. And I'm like, look, I am telling you the truth. Yes. Based on my own experience. This is not theory. This mm-hmm. is not academia. This is a lived experience. And I'm telling you what happens. Mm-hmm. What happens is that psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, feel as like, philosophically, physiologically, mm. everything opens up. Wow. And you stop pretending. Everything shifts. I believe that there is an energy that changes about you. Mm. So you just said, right? You see him on Instagram and you're like, oh, this woman, she's like, I'm telling you, it is palpable. 
When you meet me in person, you know I don't give two shits about yeah. what you think about me. Yeah. I promise you. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. that kind of self-awareness and confidence, it is attractive. Mm-hmm. I know it seems like kind of, you know, maybe it seems uh-huh. a little uh, counterintuitive, but what happened is that I just gave it all up. I gave it all up. I gave up trying to impress everybody. Mm. And I swear to you, it felt like overnight. That day I walked into the office wearing my like, you know, flower blouse and some leather pants. <laughs> I put on my red lipstick. I know I walked in there differently. I know people were like, oh, what is going on with both? Did you see her today? Did you see? Wow. And it changed also the way I thought. Mm. It changed the way that I said things. Because then what, what did I care? If I said something that you found to be not right or offensive, I don't care. Because like, I'm never going to be you, right? So there's no need for me to be careful. And that is what broke it open. I promise you that's what happened. And it was as surprising to me as it is to you. Mm. I was sitting there, I was just like, why are these people all of a sudden paying attention to what I'm saying? Now all of a sudden, mm. they want to come to me and ask me my opinion. Wow. Because, so, you, so you saw the shift oh, around you. It was so clear. It was so clear. And it was, it was surprising. It was a little bit frightening, if I can be totally honest. Because I was just like, why? Like, what happened? Did somebody say something about me? You know, I'm looking around trying to find the answer. And the answer was only that I had completely let go of my own obstacle of trying to be somebody else. And that is what changed it for me. And so after that, I didn't need proof. I was like, oh, the more that I am, the more that I bring myself, the more nuanced I talk about my experiences, the more nuanced my ideas are, the more I put myself into my own work, the better it became, the sharper it became, the more creative I became, Mm. the more fearless I became, Mm. the more risk adverse I became, all of the things. Like I just became so much more powerful Mm. when I stepped into my own fullness. And that Mm. is what I want us all to be. Mm. Beautiful. Wow. I didn't know that part. <laughs> That's beautiful. So what about like criticism? How do you deal with criticism? Do you, at this point, you just not give a damn, you know, especially for those that might be listening going, but, but, I'm, I'm, but I'm scared, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm st- like, is there anything that they can do? Okay, just, just screw it, be yourself. But, but for the person that's, that's stuck in a bit of fear of. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's real. What do they, how, how do they deal with that fear? Yeah, that's really real. How do they manage the thoughts? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to lie to you and pretend like I don't have any fear. Mm -hmm. Look, I was having a conversation, what's the day, Tuesday? I don't know what day of the week it is. I can't remember. (laughs) I was having a conversation last week, okay, Um, with someone who I consider to be a a friend and a mentor. You know, I don't don't really like to use the word mentor, but, you know, I consider her someone I go to for advice. And I've been, uh, I resigned from Netflix a year ago to publish my book, as you said, you know, and um, now I'm coming up on sort of like a year where I've published my book, it's out, I'm mm-hmm. coming down off of the, you know, mountain of, of like promoting it and all that. And I'm kind of looking at the future and saying, huh, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know what I want to do next. You know, I might want to get back into a corporate space, or maybe I want to strike out on my own, or maybe I want to do some more creative projects. And I'm just sort of thinking through all of that. So I called her, you know, to bounce some ideas off of her. And um, the first thing she said to me was, well, you know, you might have to evolve on who you are right now. Mm. Meaning that um, she was like, you know, sometimes, you know, on social media and other places, you come across like a little frivolous, you know, you're a little flighty. Um, You know, you have these 
really big extremes. One day you're in the delegation with Kamala Harris going to uh-huh. Ghana on an official state visit. And the next day you're in your bikini and flexing. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, I was a little bit surprised by that because I was just like, but that's who I am. Mm. I'm all of those things. I'm both of those things. I'm also a mother and I'm also a widow. I'm also a, a big sister to three mm. younger sisters. I'm also a daughter. I'm also, 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 you know? And it was a reminder to me because look, I can't pretend that in that moment, it didn't strike me and really throw me off balance, you know, because it was criticism. Mm. She was looking at me and saying, I know you, I know your value, I know your worth. And still, I don't think you're doing the right thing, you know? And that happens to all of us. But I'll tell you this, that it did take me down. And in the process of going down and then laying on the couch and thinking, oh, this is so awful. I feel so awful and terrible. Mm-hmm. I had to remind myself of my own receipts, mm. you know, of the things that I know I'm capable of, of mm. the way that I am, knowing that I am a powerful person because I live my entire truth. I don't hide anything. That's mm. what actually makes me powerful. You know, and I don't think that critics are all that bad. You know, uh-huh. not everybody's a hater. Yeah. You, know, you just have to decide what it is that is going to be beneficial to you mm-hmm. and what is actually trash, you know? So in that piece of criticism that I just got, right, my takeaways from that are that, one, I don't want to be in a position, corporate or otherwise, where anyone can use what they deem of me being frivolous, whether I'm in a bikini or I'm working Mm -hmm. out or I'm with Kamala Harris or I'm popping bottles of champagne or I'm in Ghana or I'm in Aspen or wherever I am as a way to judge me. Mm. I don't want to be in that position. It made it very, very clear. Mm. So as I started to think about, oh, what do I do next? That became crystal clear, right? So I used the criticism to crystallize Mm. where I want to be and the kind of environment I want to be in. I do not want to be in a position where anyone can take that image of me and say, "Ah, it doesn't fit. Mm. I no longer want it. And you know what? I dealt with that for a long time in the corporate spaces. I would take that criticism. Somebody would say, oh, did you see what Bose did over the weekend? You know, Mm. and like brush it off my shoulders and keep moving and keep a smile and all that. Mm. I'm tired of that. I don't want to do it anymore. And so I'm not going to be in a space where that is the, you know, modus operandi. And additionally to that, um, sometimes I think you do need to see that kind of criticism, you know, if it's repeated, if it comes over and over and over again. And if I said, you know what, I want to go back into the corporate space, I want to go into finance, and I know that, you know, the executives there cannot appear the way I appear, Mm -hmm. then I'd have to actually listen to that criticism and think like, okay, what am I willing to shave off without Mm -hmm. losing myself? Mm-hmm. You know, and that is the decision you have to make when you hear criticism. Yeah. It's like, what is it? What is actually going to be useful for you? So you mm-hmm. take the criticism and praise, by the way, because not all praise is great praise either. Yeah. You, know? you take the bits and let it help you to understand how are you going to be better because of this feedback that you got. Mm-hmm. Help it to let you become more crystal clear about the way you want to be and the way you want the world to see you. Because mm-hmm. it's not all bad. Mm-hmm. It's okay for people not to like everything that you do. And it's okay for them to think you're beat, don't (laughs) smell. You know what I mean? It's like, you've got to take all of that. And then again, like crystallize what it is that you want to be in this world. Mm. And then if it doesn't fit, 
the place that you are, then you gotta leave. Mm. You know, that's it. That's it. Mm. That's great. Beautiful. Um, the Urgent Life. Yes. What inspired the book? I started reading your book. I'm like, wow, this was not the book I thought. I was not expecting this. You know, know. It, it was. It was. It's getting deep in there. Yeah and, yeah. and and you know, I'm like, okay, we can dive into marketing. It, it yeah. really went deep into life yeah. and human emotion and feeling and yeah. overcoming. Like you have overcome so much. So, what inspired, especially for those that haven't picked up the book, what inspired the book? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just that, right? It's like, look, my publisher, when I went to pitch my book, a lot of uh, folks that I was meeting with said, oh, no, we don't want this. We don't want a memoir. We don't mm. want a, a, mem- a memoir about grief and trauma and loss. We want the, like, how to be a badass book. Yeah. We want the marketing, like, tell us how to get to the top. Mm. I've had four C-suite jobs at the world's biggest companies. They're like, give us the roadmap. That's what will sell, right? Mm. I decided that was not the book I wanted to write. Maybe I'll write that book in the future. I don't know. But the book I wanted to write now is because I feel like there's so many of us who deal with loss and trauma, who don't have the quote unquote perfect life. And we are made to feel as if we cannot stand tall. You know, earlier you said, like, what if there's a part of you that you're ashamed of and, you know, the story about you that makes you feel less than other people? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, look, I'm not ashamed that I'm a single mother. You know, I think I'm a better executive because I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a more emp- empathetic human because I've had to sit by my husband's bedside as he took his last breath. Mm. And my marriage wasn't perfect. You know, we separated. Mm. We had loss in our marriage. My first daughter passed away after I was diagnosed with preeclampsia. I blamed myself a lot for it because I thought, ah, I should have been a better mother. I should have known that there was something wrong with my body. I should have eaten different foods. I should have gotten better medicine. All of those things. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm a more empathetic human as I think of those who deal with mental health issues because I've suffered with my own depression, you know, and it's not because I was in a bad mood. It's because I needed medication. Mm. You know, that's not something to be ashamed of when you need help in order to be in a better place. Mm. I also am a person who loved someone who died by suicide, mm. you know, and carried a lot of guilt over that. I should have loved him better. I should have told him something different. I should have been a, a more supportive human and he would be alive today. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things are specific to my story. It doesn't mean that you necessarily need to have gone exactly through that, but there is something that you've gone through. And I think as human beings, sometimes, again, we have this comparative behavior yeah. where we look at somebody else and we say, oh, her life is perfect. Of course, she's the CMO of Netflix because look at her. Mm-hmm. She's beautiful and she's smart and she's funny and she's got the world going for her. Mm-hmm. But did you know all of these things that I've had to battle and go through, do you know the demons that still haunt me now? You don't. Mm-hmm. And I think if we were more honest and more vulnerable about that, we would have a much safer, more empathetic, more loving, more supportive society. If we all just came with our things yeah. you know, and said, yeah. hey, look, I understand, you know, life doesn't have to be perfect in order for you to succeed. 
And yes, there are some mornings that I wake up and I'm still terrified. There's some mornings when I get up and I'm just like, oh, what terrible thing could happen today? Mm-hmm. Yet I still get out of bed. So I still put one foot in front of the other. I still laugh. I still find love. I still like do great work. I still enjoy it. Even with that fear sort of running yeah. around in the background. And so that's why I wrote the book. I thought it was important how, to tell people. How, like how with some of the things you just shared, loss of the husband, I think the ex-boyfriend, you know, how have you managed to not close and be bitter at God, at the world? Yeah. Because, you know, one of those is enough, but then, you know, another one and another one and a freaking another one. It's like, yeah. God, what, what, like, how have you managed? Because I know there's some people listening that they've been through some stuff mm-hmm. and, and, and they're feeling maybe angry or bitter or they've, they've just given up on their dreams. Yes. You know, and, and so I'm curious, where did you go within yourself to not give up? Yeah. How did you manage to not give up and not be bitter? Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. And I'll say this. I don't judge anybody mm-hmm. for how they react to their own traumas. Right. Again, you said like one of those things is enough, you know, to like, fail you and make you feel like, oh, I'm not going to get up again. I just hate the world. Oh, and I hate God too, you know? Um, And so if somebody said, you know what, I'm just going to go hide in this cave because this thing happened to me, I wouldn't judge them. I understand. You know, I understand. I I often want to go hide in the cave too. But the experiences I've had have taught me a lot of things, you know? And one of them, first of all, (laughs) you know, you said about God, it's like, my relationship with God has changed a lot, you know, from when I was a kid, my parents are both Christian and we grew up in the church and, you know, God is omnipresent and knows all things and is not an, a God to be angry at. And um, through my experiences, I understood that like, oh, God is like any other person that you can love, but be mad at, that you can be mad, that you can love and not speak to. <laughs> you can say, screw you, I'm not speaking to you until I feel better. You know, like, that's okay. And that's what God and I went through that, mm. you know, where I was just like, oh no, you're, you're messed up. Mm. You, you a messed up person. Okay. Mm. Because here I am trying to be the best human being. I'm kind. I'm thoughtful. I haven't stolen mm. anything from anyone. I've not said mean things to people. I walk with kindness and here mm. you go. Just keep destroying my life. What did I do to deserve this? Yeah. Why me? Why not that ugly person down yeah. the street who's so awful to everyone? Why, why are they not suffering? Mm-hmm. You know, why do I have to suffer? And it took me a long time to understand the totality of my life. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to be something really controversial, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. and it's difficult to say it. But if I hadn't gone through the things I have gone through, I wouldn't be who I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that if we had to start over again, And I was a little baby spirit in heaven. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you this life as Bozma Fiba Mamichi. And these are the things that are going to happen to you. I would have said, are you out of your mind? No, no. Give me, give me, give me Sally's experience because that, that one looks like she's taking it easy in life. You know, give me, give me that one. Hmm. But it's not about this one, you know, and I am a stronger, more passionate, more excited person because of the traumas I've been in. You know, my book title is not accidental. 
Mm. Urgency is at the core of who I am. It's like, if we were in person, you would be able to feel my urgency. Mm -hmm. And it's not about a race in time. You know, I'm not like trying to finish everything all at one time and oh, I'm just yeah. going to get done. No, no, no. No, I recognize I'm not going to do everything in life. I know that, you know, but I want to do the things that I want to do right now. Mm. I'm not mm -hmm. wasting time. You know, so the thing is, yes, I recognize the fact that my husband was diagnosed with cancer and dead within six months. Oof. He was diagnosed in May of 2013 and dead in December. Wow. That, that is not, look, that could happen to any of us, but it doesn't make me fearful of life. It actually makes me more excited about life. Mm. So therefore, when somebody says, oh, you know what? Let's put a pin in this and we'll come back to it in six months. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why? Why? Well, what's holding us back? Like, why not do the mm. thing today? Mm. And if there is any kind of relationship, whether it's professional in a workspace or it's romantic mm -hmm. or it's platonic with a friend, and something is going on and I'm not feeling valued mm. and I'm not feeling like, oh, this is something that can work or be fixed on. I'm out of there. Because mm. mm. why am I wasting time? And I recognize that, you know, I've said this sometimes and people have criticized and said, oh, but not everyone has the freedom to be able to get up and leave. Mm. I'm like, Do you think that I have the freedom to just get up and go whenever I want? No, I don't. You know, I, like I said, I'm a single mom, okay? I am completely responsible for my daughter. There's nobody else who's coming to save me. I also take care of my parents. Mm -hmm. I have multiple employees. <laughs> you know, mm. I have lots of responsibilities. And so it's not the flakiness to get up and run and say, oh, you know what? Let me just go do this thing now because I hate doing that. No, it's like I recognize the value of my life. Mm. And therefore, when I see that it's not going the direction I want it to, I just refuse to stay planted in something that's not growing me, that's not making me better, it's not making me sharper, it's not making me anything greater than what I am today. And I refuse to get to the end of my life and not have achieved the things that I know my spirit is able to. You know, there's like a satisfaction yeah. that comes with living that way. And mm -hmm. that's, how I'm, that's how I'm able to do it. Because look, it's not as if I'm not ambitious or I don't have goals, I'm not like, oh, you know, I wanna do this next year or do this in 10 years, I have those things. But how am I going to get to the 10 year thing if I'm not getting better today? Yeah, that's right the now. Question you got to ask yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's like, if something isn't working for me and I'm evaluating it and I'm like, okay, well, they said six months, but in six months, am I going to be any better than I am today? Mm. Six months, am I going to be like further ahead than I am today? If the answer is no, I'm not waiting. Mm -hmm. I'm just not doing it. I refuse. So yes, that means that I do have, I do have plans, exit plans all the time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, if this is not working, then what, what am I going to do? You know, it's mm. like, I got to look for the next job or I got to figure out how I'm going to move out mm. or, you know, I've got to. Where, where, where is the line between like, you know, the possibilities having these exit plans, but like being all in on something, can, yeah. can, can, can you share that distinction? That's a very interesting question because I don't yeah. think, I don't think there, I don't think you can do both. Mm. I think mm -hmm. either you're all in or you're getting out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're static is when you start to drown. It's like swimming, right? Mm -hmm. It's like either you're swimming out away from shore, you're swimming into shore, but the moment you stop moving mm -hmm. and you're sitting there, your legs are just, you know, you tread water for a little bit, eventually you're going to get tired and you're going to drown. Yeah. And you don't have, you have, you have strength to swim back to shore. Mm -hmm. So for me, 
I am always thinking about it that way, where I'm like, if I'm in a job or I'm in a relationship and it is going well, and I feel like I'm growing and I'm contributing, I'm valued by the people I'm working with or the person I'm uh, in a relationship with, then I'm going to keep swimming forward. Mm. The mm. moment that changes, I'm swimming back to shore. Mm. You know, because if I sit here and wallow in my misery, I'll die. Mm. And I refuse to do that. I love when, when does someone like, like a relationship, romantic work relationship, what, like when does someone know when to leave because sometimes you know shit comes up in relationship and it's not always easy and 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 and, and so when when is the the discernment of no now is the time to stay and work through this challenge or no i'm out now's the time to go so you so, just said the word discernment it's mm-hmm. shocking to me how many people like don't pay attention to their own discernment mm-hmm. and when somebody asks me like when do you know how to leave i'm like i can't tell you that you know why i can't tell you that because you have discernment you know you know, you're just not listening to it. You just don't want to believe it. You know, you can call it discernment, intuition, your gut, vibes, energy, the Holy Spirit, call it whatever I you know. want to call it, okay? You know, you know, you just don't want to listen. And so the question is, how well are you going to practice listening to your own intuition or your own discernment so that when it is roaring and talking to you, you're actually going to hear it? Yeah. Because so many of us have to suppress it for so long. And we do it in ways like, I'm going to write pro and con lists. Mm-hmm. Help me make a decision. Mm-hmm. Bad idea. Because uh-huh. that's what you're doing. All you're doing is ignoring your discernment. Yeah. All you're doing is teaching yourself <clears throat> to like talk yourself into something that's probably not good for you or talk yourself out of something, you know? Like it's, it's, it's not good. Like pro and con lists don't work for you. It also mm-hmm. happens when you go and ask people for advice. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing that? You know exactly mm. what you're supposed to do. You just it's don't true. respect yourself enough. You're afraid of the thing, you know? And so discernment is the key word. It's like, if you are in a relationship, platonic, a romantic, professional, a personal, you know when the thing is not working and it won't work ever. You know mm. it. Mm. But then we fool ourselves. Oh, you know, I think we'll go to therapy and try to work this yeah. out. Or, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, only if he would do X, Y, and Z thing, you know, mm-hmm. or if she would just listen to me more, you know that that person does not have the capacity. Mm-hmm. So why are you there? Mm-hmm. Why are you, what are you waiting for? You wait for some miracle to happen? It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's painful to admit it. And I know that our society sometimes teaches us that like, oh, you're giving up. You're thrown in the towel. You must be weak. Mm-hmm. You know, you're stronger if you sit in it and you try to you know, just get along and you try harder. Somehow mm. you're weak if you're just like, you know what? Never mind. No, I'm packing it up. I'm out of here. Mm. No, it's not weakness. You know how, how much strength it takes to leave? Yeah. You know how hard that yeah. is? Very difficult, yeah. especially if you're not sure where you're going. Yes. <laughs> you know, you say, That's harder. Yeah, it's harder. Yeah. And so my point is that discernment is actually the key that unlocks. You need to do a better job of listening to your intuition, building up that voice. It's like any other muscle, you know? Mm-hmm. You go to the gym, you lift some weights, hoping that your biceps get bigger, you eat better food, mm-hmm. you drink more water, you take your vitamins, yeah, and your muscle grows. Mm-hmm. So do that with your intuition and your discernment. Mm-hmm. It's like you need to practice it, allow it to build, allow yourself to trust it more. Start with small decisions, then get to the big ones, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you want to know 
what to wear to the next fancy dinner, don't send your outfit to your friend. Uh, that picture and say, do, what do you think of this? Should I wear this thing? No, wear it. See what you think when you get there. You know? If yeah. it's like, you know, should I, you know, go on vacation to this place? Why are you asking that question? Mm. Do some work yourself. Google mm -hmm. it, you know, mm -hmm. and then feel it. Say, you know what? Am I going to have a good time when I go to Morocco? Mm, I don't know if I want to go to Morocco. Maybe I'll go to Egypt. Make the decision yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you start to do that, and it, it sounds so silly to say, like, you know, where should I go on vacation? It's the same thing as like walking down a dark alley and feeling the vibes and knowing, mm, this is not good. I need to yeah. turn around and get out of here. Yeah. You know, something told you that. And I yeah. believe that our discernment tells us all kinds of stuff. You mm -hmm. know, it tells us all kinds of things. We just don't listen to it. We don't give it enough credit. Yeah. I wish we, we would. We pretend to not know when we do. When we do. What is success to you now? at this stage of your life? Um, success is my satisfaction in mm. my life. You know, satisfaction. It's like, you know, like, um, or, you know, most people who are ambitious, they tell you to always stay hungry. You know, it's like, leave a little bit, like, you know, so that you can always be, you know, running after the thing and get to the next thing. Blah, blah, blah. That's not the way to live. You know, success to me is being satisfied in the life I have right now. Mm. And so it's like, look, am I, have I done the things that I want to do? Am I feeling good about the decisions I've made? Am I with people who bring me joy, who bring me peace, who give me love? You know, that is success. Mm. And that is what now I mark my success by. How satisfied am I? Mm. And if I'm unsatisfied, then I'm not successful. Beautiful. Last question. I've been loving this conversation. <laughs> um, if you reflect on your life and everything you've been through, the ups, the downs, successes, and everything, and you were to pick the three most important life lessons that you feel if you could only pass these three keys to your daughter, that would like, these are the keys that would evolve mm. her consciousness the most. Yeah. What would those three like keys be that you'd pass mm -hmm. on to the next generation? Well, we've talked about one of them already, you know, which is urgency. Mm. You know, I would say that that is probably the most overwhelming thing. You know, to be able to live your life on your terms, on your timing, you know, to be so focused wholly on what it is that you want, that you are a better human and therefore you're a better communicator, you're a better community member, you're a better lover, you're a better mom, you're a better friend, all of those things. It's all based in how well you treat yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you get confused. You think humility is about like being of service to others. Well, you're not of service to others if you're not of service to yourself. So true. You know, yeah. so that's, that's the first thing. The second one, would be to run your own race. You know, I ran track when I was a kid and um, I was a sprinter, short distances, right? So let's take the 100 meter dash, for instance, okay? It's mm -hmm. a great race. It's a great race for life, which is that when you start off on the blocks, you know, and the gun goes off and you start running, if you step into somebody else's lane, you're disqualified. There's no conversation. There's mm -hmm. no negotiation. You're just disqualified and you have to sit out the race. And so it's the same thing for life, where it's just like, run your own race. When you turn around to look to see where other people are, that's when you trip and fall. You know, you can't run a fast race if you're looking around you. You only got to stare ahead at your destination and stay in your lane. Don't jump into other people's lanes. You know, mm -hmm. that's two. Mm -hmm. And the third is to be fiercely loyal to yourself. Mm -hmm. Fiercely. Because the truth is that this life, you know, regardless of what your belief systems are, if you believe in reincarnation or 
you think you're going to go to heaven or you're an atheist and you're like, there's nothing else when you die or spirits just evaporate into the ether. Mm. Regardless of what your belief systems are, you've got this one life, this one, this experience. You know, there's not going to be another one like it. Yep. So why would you spend the time focus on other people? Mm. What makes them happy versus yourself? Mm. You know, when at the end, and like I said, I've had the unfortunate, you know, blessing of being at the deathbed of several people. And you're not thinking about the other things and other people yeah. and things. You know, you're thinking about your own life, mm. what you would have done differently, you know, what you wish you could still do, mm-hmm. all those things, you know. So in our life, we should be fiercely loyal to ourselves first. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. I, I have loved this conversation. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people connect with your book, your, your um, website? What's the best yes, way? Yes, yes. Well, on Instagram, Badass Bose or Twitter or Facebook, you can find me under the same hashtag or the same um, profile. And uh, you'll get to my website, which is bozemastainjohn.com. Awesome. Folks, check out uh, Bozema's book, The Urgent Life. Uh, I've begun reading it myself. And let me tell you, it's, it's deep. It's inspiring. Um, you're definitely going to be thinking about what's really important in life. Uh, we're going to put all of uh, Bozuma's links in the show notes. Send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I want to know your key takeaways from today's episode. Share it with everyone in your life that you love. I'll catch you next week on Soul Talk. Bozuma, bless you. Keep shining. Thank you. I will. <laughs> okay, folks, catch you next week. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.